In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. Hi, my name is Donna Blanchard, and while we do recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. Howdy, Donna. Well, I'm saying howdy specifically because guess who's coming to town in July? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, my, a country my, singer? My big crush. Yes, a country singer. Oh, uh, what's his name? The low voice. Yes. Yeah. Orville Peck. Orville Peck. You know, I had never heard his music until you mentioned him and James Charisma sent me uh, a clip of his. I think you might've sent me a clip of his too. I, I really enjoyed him. If I had only heard his music, I might've thought it was Coulter Wall, who I, I uh, they're, they're both really incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you got tickets to go see him? Not yet, but I will. Good. So if somebody could arrange uh, you know, an interview with him, well, I would not be adverse to that. That would, that would be, you know, sure, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could make time. Okay. Well, let's see what we can do. Heart be still. <laughs> we might, you might have whispered to the right bird <laughs> to make something like that happen. <laughs> okay. Orville, call me. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he, I really enjoyed listening to him. And he does have a nice, um, nice way of telling a story. Yeah. I, I would never say I'm a country music fan, but actually those two gentlemen, when I've listened to, I've thought, why don't I listen to country music more often? <laughs> well, honestly, do you know who he reminds me of? Who? Believe it or not, Morrissey. Oh. Morrissey from the Smiths. Because when he tells a story, there's always kind of an edge to it. And it's always kind of, he's always very, very self-effacing, like Morrissey is, you know, when, when, in his lyrics. Oh. So maybe, maybe that's part of the attraction, except to me, he's a lot, whole lot more sexy than Morrissey ever was, but that's, that's my kink. <laughs> uh, music. Well, there's so many different places I could go with this conversation at this point in time. Uh, but <laughs> let's talk about um, how much music plays a part in your life because uh, it's, it's huge for you. I'm one of those people who, I really don't even listen to music that often, but you really do. It's a part of your life. Let's, let's hear a little bit about your musical history. Um, I remember the first 45 I bought was Bob Seger, Ramblin' Man. For mm-hmm. those of you that remember way, way back in the 60s, I think the second one was uh, Supreme's Can't Hurry Love. Uh. Nice. First concert I went to was Curtis Mayfield. Oh, how old were you? You had to be young. I was like 15. Yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see, who else did I see? Oh. Charlie Daniels Band. <laughs> oh, wow. But this is Alabama. So I was, I was living in Alabama. So that, and also I went to go see Billy Joel because uh, what my town, Jacksonville, Alabama, was where Jack State is, Jacksonville University, Jacksonville State University is. So they bring in concerts. And one day they brought in this group called Buckingham Knicks, who had an album out that had sold in the South. They're from Southern California, 
It was sold in the South and nowhere else. So nobody else pretty much in the entire U.S. knew about them. But we knew about them in Alabama. Lindsay Buckingham. wildly popular. And Buckingham Steve Nicks. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I was a reporter for our cheesy little um, high school newspaper for Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Eagles. So this, this spelled Eagles backwards. That was the name of, the, the, of our newspaper. So it was Selgay. Um, clever. That is uh, cool. So <laughs> yeah, I was waiting around after the concert, after the Buckingham Knicks concert. And guess who walks out all by herself with Stevie Nicks. <sighs> so I go up and I start talking to her and I say, I'm, I'm with us. I'm with the high school newspaper. Can you, can you do an interview? She said, sure. So we talked for like 15, 20 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my God. All right, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. And Lindsay, so Stevie's this very, very petite woman. And here comes Lindsay, who's tall as an oak. He comes on in and he's standing kind of over to kind of say, okay, let's wrap this up. We want to go home. Um, but he was really polite. He was really nice. Uh, what she told me, all she really wanted to do, which is such an ironic thing, considering the arc of her life. All she wanted to do was um, be a country music writer like her grandfather and live in the mountains. Oh. Well, she sure didn't do that. Well, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for us. Uh, for us. Yeah. The emotional toll, as you know, from the album Rumors. And the hurt and the pain in that album because of what they were putting each other through. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they say the best music from the artist comes from when the artists are really, really screwing everything up in their lives. Yeah. I mean, Amy, Amy Winehouse, <laughs> Debbie Harry. Uh, you, you can just go down the list, right? Of these people that were like strung out or just in, in terrible, terrible life situations, but coming out with this just gorgeous music. Absolutely. I, I know an actor who had a very troubled past and was amazing on stage. And when that person was able to reach resolution and good therapy and a great relationship, <laughs> I, I could no longer even find them on stage. The, it you know, ruined him. <laughs> it wasn't there. Horrible? It's horrible, but it's very true. I mean, and then it's up to tech. This is why we learn techniques so that yeah. regardless of what's going on in our personal life, we are still present as an artist. Um, oh, that's amazing. You're kind of, that makes you like a rock star by proxy. Um, one could hope. <laughs> uh, my, my brush with fame the other brush with fame was of course when i got lost at sea and afterwards when i was on the dock over by aloha tower when i went ginger rogers came up to me so i talked we talked about that right no so oh, let's that's no that and that's a story i very much want to hear and we're at a good place okay. in time to dive into it i saw ginger rogers on stage in the mid 80s uh, and she was pretty advanced, yeah. you know, having a little trouble. She had a prompter uh, on the stage with her when, so set the stage. What year is this? This is 1984. Oh, okay. A couple years after I saw her in uh, a show in Indianapolis, 1984. And how were you out on the water to begin with? I had decided I was working at the Maui Marriott in Ka'anapali. For those of you that know it, it's a beautiful ocean, ocean resort. Um, 
and you can look right across the water. It's called the Ao Ao Channel, which Ao um, Ao is like bathwater. It was so smooth. That, that's, that's, what, that's one of the meanings I think of the word it is, it is like, you know, smooth water. Um, you could look across over to Lanai, about eight miles away, the island of Lanai. And you, it was so glassy, you swear you could just walk on it. It just seems so near. So one day I, one day I decided to take what, what is like a surfboard that you can sit on and with a kayak paddle attached to it and paddle it. I took that board across the channel to Lanai and I made it. What I didn't realize was coming back that the trades would kick in. And I got caught in the, in the channel. It rained on me and I was sunburned from being out so long and the rain still made me very cold. When there was no sunlight, it got, it was cold to me. This is January. And for those of us who live in Hawaii, we know that that can get cool. It can get like, a, feel like the fifties. Um, so I'm out in the water. I'm getting knocked off of my craft by waves again and again and again. And I'm floating instead of going towards Maui, towards my destination, I'm going between the three islands of Molokai, Maui, and Lanai on my way south to go to Tahiti. So that part of the world that you're talking about is a very deep channel where a lot of sharks yep. live. And just for anyone who isn't aware, trades is okay. trade winds. So it's windy, it's cold, you're sunburned, you're undoubtedly tired, exhausted, and potentially afraid of an, a shark encounter. Yeah, every time I fell off, I felt like when I would kick to get back up on the board, I was sending out a message, eat me. Oh my gosh. Okay, I need a Nerf pill. Okay, go, <laughs> you may continue. <laughs> <laughs> and it started getting dark <sighs> and i thought you know the realization hit me i could die out here yeah nobody because nobody knew i didn't tell anybody i did this oh talk about things to regret right uh, uh but there was a voice that came in my head and this should explain a lot about my attitude towards death why i don't fear death there's this voice told me it said don't worry whether you live or die everything is going to be fine a voice. Yeah. You heard, you audibly like heard a voice in your ears or in your head? In my head. Okay. And you knew that it was not you. Yep. Was it male or female? I suspect it was female and I suspect it was my grandmother. Mm. I really do. A grandmother that I never met because she died before I was you know, old enough to meet her. Oh. And did you immediately feel at peace or did you question? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I was still scared shitless. Um, but, but still inside, I had that assurance. So it was a really weird feeling. There was a feeling of assurance, but at the same time, don't, you know, you're still in a really bad situation, right? Um, the reason why I knew I was mid-channel was because in Lahaina Harbor, Lahaina is just a couple miles um, east of Kaanapali and Lahaina Harbor, there happened to have been a cruise ship. And when I left the, the beach at Kaanapali, I was on one side of the cruise ship. When we got mid-channel, the cruise ship was pointed directly at me. When I got on the Lanai side, it was the other side of the ship. Once I got stuck mid-channel, all I saw was the ship directly at me. And I knew I was going nowhere except the wrong way. 
that I was getting pulled away from Maui into that channel and I'm you know, heading, heading toward what I was told by the captain. Well, yeah, we'll get into this. By the people that rescued me, they told me that I was on my way to Tahiti and I would never have made it. So. Okay, so how did the rescue happen? The sun started setting. And I kept on looking at the, at the ship to see where I was at, whether I was on the Maui side. No, but then I looked at it again. And it was brighter. And I thought maybe that's because the sun is on it and paddle falling off, paddle falling off. The waves are hitting me, crashing me. I'm getting cold. I'm getting so tired. Um, I look at the ship again and it's bigger. I thought, oh God, I'm hallucinating. But no, it just happened that the ship was moving directly at me. I mean, directly at me. So that it passed within 25 yards of me or less. Oof. So as it's passing and it's completely dark, I yell out, help, help. First time I yelled, nothing. I yelled again. Then I heard somebody say, we hear you. Oh my gosh. Then um, I saw on the water blinking lights and the blinking lights were uh, what do you call the thing? Life preservers that has strobe lights on them. So I paddled over to one of them and held it up so that they could see where I was at. Then I saw the most amazing sight, one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen. I saw this, the, it was a cruise ship. I saw this cruise ship do a U-turn in the ocean and come back around with the constellation Orion directly above it. Oh. So Orion, Syria, the ship. Um, the skies had cleared, thank goodness, so it wasn't raining on me, but the wind was howling, and the waves were all choppy, and yeah, it was tough for me to stay on. Hot, they then, heard you above that. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they managed to hear me. That's they thought somebody had jumped overboard. That's a miracle that they, anybody heard you. So then this, uh, a, a searchlight started going for me, right? I saw, I saw a searchlight, and then it stopped right on me. Then in a couple of minutes, I saw something bouncing through the waves, and it was a launch, about a 25-foot launch. Pulls right up to me and says, ready to come aboard? Oh, my gosh. And I said, can I take my craft? <laughs> I said, sure, bring it on board. <laughs> now, what was it going to say? No, you know, and I'm not going to get on. Um, yeah. So they put me on board, and I'm not even shivering. And they said, are you cold? I said, no. Uh, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And then I vomited over the side because I didn't realize I was in a state of shock. You had to have been. Yeah. They put a sheet around me, mercifully. <sighs> we go up to the side of the boat. They put these humongous hooks on either side of it. They crank it up to like three stories to get to the deck. And people are cheering, and I'm a little bit embarrassed. They bring me on the deck. They had a nurse there with a wheelchair. Her name was Megan. I remember her name. Uh... And uh, she wheels me to the infirmary, and I can't get warm. So I just said, can I take a hot bath? That got me warm. And all I wanted to do was sleep. And she said, the captain requested that you be at his table. You know, do you want to go or do you just want to sleep? And I said, wake me up when it's time. So she woke me up. All I needed was time to let my, my brain, you know, recalibrate. She woke me up. I went to the captain's table, had a great meal. I remember standing out in the deck, looking at the water, thinking a couple hours ago, I was out there and totally alone. And now here I am on a cruise ship. <laughs> at the captain's table the captain's table yeah wearing shorts and, and a shirt with the and slippers with the logo of the ss independence oh the ship that rescued me how old were so, you i'm sorry i was 24 
And how I'm sorry, before you go on, I want to paint the full picture here. How long were you on the water before they found you? Do you think you okay? I had taken off probably 10 or 11 in the morning. I was trying to get back about one or two. They picked me up around 730. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, all right, you're 24. So you have, you know, someone my age, 57, would not have been at the captain's table. No, no, same here. That would have been a regret. But okay. So you're at the captain's table in this crazy life event. Mm -hmm. Did you recognize this was like, this is major. This is a part of my story. I was like, just kind of, I'm talking about being in shock. Yeah. I was just absorbing everything. Uh, the crew invited me to, because the, the, the ship had a discotheque on it. Oh. They invited me to the discotheque. And I remember dancing to Madonna's Holiday. Oh, my gosh. Holiday. Yeah. Um, so that became like my, my theme song for a while. Um, <laughs> I had my own cabin. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and they gave you a cabin. Okay. Yep, and the, the crew took up a collection so that I could fly back to Mali. Where were they going? Where were they going to dock next? They were, this was the last day of the cruise. Oh, it's the inner island? Yeah. And so they were heading back to Honolulu. Um, And it was a terrible cruise. People were upset with them. They were angry. Things had gone wrong. They said, this is the worst cruise we've ever been on. And when they rescued me, this cruise is fantastic. This is the best cruise we've ever been on. This, we had the best time ever. So they were really grateful (laughs) that I was there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They all came out of that with a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let, let, let's continue. Cause Ginger Rogers fits in here somewhere. Right. Okay. So on this ship, they had two celebrities. One was a rodeo uh, star and I forget his name. And the other one was Ginger Rogers of uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Um, the famous couple. But yeah. she was the she was the better dancer, as they say, because she she did everything he did, but backwards in heels. That, um, <laughs> I remember so that quote. Yep. <laughs> so here's this woman, um, short, petite woman, kind of elderly, and she comes up to me and says, "Thank Jesus, you're alive." And I looked at her and I said, "And you are?" <laughs> and she looked at me. She goes, "I'm Ginger Rogers." Oh. I said, "I," and I, I tried to cover up. Right. I, I talk about one time about faux pas. Yeah. And I said, oh, I thought you were. I just didn't think I want to get it wrong. Like, eh. So um, we talked for a little bit and she said, what were your thoughts when you were out there? And I said, honestly, Miss Rogers, my thoughts were, oh, shit. And she said, no, 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 really. What were your thoughts? And I thought, OK, she mentioned Jesus. I said, oh, my thoughts were that Jesus would provide. And she went, she beamed at me and she said, oh, yes. Awesome. Then she and her entourage went their way. so that story is just so incredible and um and sweet ginger rogers (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you have um do you feel like that experience is something you carry with you now with everything that you're going through currently the grandmother and the miraculous them hearing you over wind and rough water from a tall ship is nothing less than a miracle. How, what, how, how does that parlay into your life today? My dear friend, Noel, Noel Kahanu that you know, mm-hmm. we, were, we were drinking wine 
and we were talking about it and she said you know you're, you've been living on borrowed time you were supposed to die out there so we we're talking specifically about the cancer and she said you're lucky that you've had this long yeah and i said yes and the other thing of course that i take away from it is that i do not honestly and i'm not making this up i don't fear death because of the voice yeah because yeah death's sure well it was certainly right then that uh that makes me feel like you're charmed mickey i think so I'm, uh, yeah I'm, I'm blessed honestly there's a um for you to have that story um so young uh, mm -hmm. and um i mean I don't, I don't think meeting ginger rogers is a is a miracle but it's pretty cool it adds a, <laughs> a nice little touch to that story and mm -hmm. honestly so many people lose their lives to sharks in that channel i mm -hmm. mean it's it's a it's a rough spot to be in for anyone so I think you've just, um, I'm not, you know, I'm an atheist. I'm not a big believer in uh, uh, signs and this and that, but that story makes me feel like for whatever reason and by whomever you were meant to be here. And, um, you know, it's no coincidence that also you happen to be going through this cancer and you were given a limited amount of time and you've already exceeded it. And now the doctors are saying, oh, and it looks like you're going to have several more months. At Inshallah. Least. Yeah. Do you feel the, pre oh, we've, we got two minutes left and I'm going to ask you a big question, <laughs> but it is, do you, do you, do you feel pressure because of that? to continue getting your trying to serve the universe as long like kuleana right responsibility debt um obligation um i feel as long as i can live as long as i have breath i should do my best to do right do my best to be gentle do my best to be the best person i possibly can when the time to, when the time comes and, I'm, and i go that's fine but until then, due diligence, right? I, I think those are words for all of us to live by. That maybe to some extent, it's a, um, it's a miracle that we're all here, you know, and uh, live the best life you possibly can, and share and and live authentically. And I really believe that you mickey as long as i've known you for several years you live authentically and i'm really grateful for you thank you very much mickey weems we'll see you soon <laughs> i'm donna blanchard james charisma is our producer susan wright is our content advisor pr agent and support team member music generously donated by kainani kahaunaele from her hoku award-winning album waipunale we're all here to support our friend mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying <laughs>